Hello, and welcome to episode 12 of the Idiot Book Nook. My name is Blazewing2010. My pronouns are she, her, and they, them. I am the Reading Dragon. My pronouns are she, her. I'm Lady Punnett, and I use she, her pronouns today. Cool. On to our disclaimer, as usual, at the beginning of every episode. We here at the Idiot Book Nook do not support the actions, views, or opinions of J.K. Rowling. We are simply Harry Potter fans who grew up with the books during important times in our life. For us, Hogwarts is and will most likely continue to be home. We do not condone the racist, transphobic, and anti-Semitic imagery that is depicted within the pages of these books. It should also be noted that this podcast includes spoilers. So if you haven't yet read the books, you may want to consider revisiting us when you've had a chance to catch up, unless you don't care about spoilers, in which case, welcome to the party! Hey-o. Uh, we have a retraction to make from last episode. Um, mm-hmm. J.K. Rowling did not actually write The Cursed Child. She approved it, but somebody else wrote the screenplay, and I do apologize for uh, that oversight on my part. Because I think it was me that, I'm pretty sure it was me that stated that, so. That being said, we're still on the fence on whether or not we actually want to read it. Yeah, we're, right now we're leaning towards no... But yeah. we'll we'll see how it goes when when we get there. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you we'll, that are watching, uh, sorry, go ahead. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Yep. For those of you that are watching on Twitch and TikTok, because I'm live on TikTok for this episode as well. Hopefully for the entire mm-hmm. episode. Why does my brain go blank? Oh, I don't know. um just so you guys know uh we are so now that we've established that we're doing visual novels and books once we are done this book we are going to be alternating with our visual novels with our books so one week we will be doing visual novels and then the next we will be doing books this is so we have visual novel content as well as books for the podcast and we don't run out of either we're, we're basically trying to find a balance and how things fit in so just bear with us mm-hmm. for that um the visual novels will be featured over on our youtube whereas the books will most likely be strictly podcast format or mm-hmm. i'll upload them on youtube and podcast but they may not necessarily be they may not necessarily be uploaded on uh youtube so yeah that being said, I think it's time for us to delve into our next episode, uh, or our next chapter at least, of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. So, narrator, if you would, please. Before before that, an idea came to mind. You know how on YouTube when you do the uh, join community thing for like their little subscription on on some YouTube channels? Ish. What what if we had that where they can get a uh, replay of the Twitch streams, like have a Twitch stream playlist for the actual uh, uh, literature books? Make a note of it. Make a note to talk about it after stream. Okay. Uh, Lady Punnett, do you mind doing that note? Because my desk is kind of a mess right now. (laughs) Also, I just pulled out the trigger for my, there we go, for my pencil. (laughs) Um, Anywho, join community. Uh, so, um, uh, on the YouTube channel, have a special playlist for playback episodes of the literature books for those that would like to join the subscription part of YouTube. Yes. Okay. 
with that, I think that brings back, um, or I think that brings us to chapter 12. 12. Uh, just give me one sec. Bliss, yes, because there's a five second delay on Twitch. Yep. Only five seconds, so yeah. Alright, chapter 12. Alright. Harry Potter and the Philosophers or the Sorcerer's Stone, narrated by the Reading Dragon, Blazewing 2010, and Lady Punnett. Chapter 12, Mirror of Irised. Christmas was coming. One morning in mid-December, Hogwarts woke to find itself covered in several feet of snow. The lake froze solid, and the Weasley twins were punished for bewitching several snowballs so that they followed Quirrell around, bouncing off the back of his turban. The few owls that managed to battle their way through the stormy sky to deliver mail had to be nursed back to health by Hagrid before they could fly off again. No one could wait for the holidays to start. While the Gryffindor common room and the Great Hall had roaring fires... Uh, no! skipped so many pages i have to find my way back please bear ah. with us for one moment we are experiencing technical difficulties so many technical difficulties the we're professionals dragon, the reading dragon has to learn how to turn pages properly <laughs> shush <laughs> <laughs> uh, what page were we on uh literally chapter oh. 12 beginning of chapter 12 Mm-hmm. The page is 154. 154, okay. I'm using a different copy from you guys, so page is not really going to help. Just going to... Okay. Okay, I'm, get I'm getting there. It skipped me to previous chapters. Whoops! You know, you can use, like, the little drop-down menu for table of contents and just hit chapter 12, right? Mm -hmm. I think. I think you guys I've, have that. I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I'm not going to try to mess with that. I'm just going <laughs> to okay. try to find my page. Okay. Do, 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 do. Gryffindor score. There we go. And then... Did you find it? Yes, I found it. Okay. Okay. No one could wait for the holidays to start. While the Gryffindor common room and the Great Hall had roaring fires, the drafty corridors had become icy and a bitter wind rattled the windows of the classrooms. Worst of all were Professor Snape's classes down in the dungeons, where their breath rose in a mist before them and they kept as close as possible to their hot cauldrons. I do feel so sorry said Draco Malfoy in on potions one potions class for all those people who have to stay at Hogwarts for Christmas because they're not wanted at home he was looking over at Harry as he spoke Crabbe and Goyle chuckled Harry who was measuring out powdered spine of lionfish ignored them Malfoy had been even more unpleasant than usual since the Quidditch match disgusted that the Slytherins had lost he had tried to get everyone laughing at how a wide-mouthed tree frog would be replacing Harry as Seeker next. Then he'd realized that nobody found this funny, 
because they were all so impressed at the way Harry had managed to stay on his bucking broomstick. So Malfoy, jealous and angry, had gone back to taunting Harry about having a having <clears throat> had gone back to taunting Harry about having no proper family. It was true that Harry wasn't going back to Privet Drive for Christmas. Professor McGonagall had come around the week before, making a list of students who would be staying for the holidays, and Harry had signed up at once. He didn't feel sorry for himself at all. He would probably be the best Chris. This would probably be the best Christmas he'd ever had. Ron and his brothers were staying too because Mr. and Mrs. Weasley were going to Romania to visit Charlie. When they left the dungeons at the end of potions, they found a large fir tree blocking the corridor ahead. Two enormous feet sticking out at the bottom and a loud puffing sound told them that Hagrid was behind it. Hi, Hagrid. Want any help? Ron asked, sticking his head through the branches. Nah, I'm all right. Thanks, Ron. Would you mind moving out of the way? Came Malfoy's cold drawl from behind them. Are you trying to earn some extra money, Weasley? Hoping to be gamekeeper yourself when you leave Hogwarts? I suppose that hut of Hagrid's must seem like a palace compared to what your family's used to. Ron dived at Malfoy just as Snape came up the stairs. Weasley. Ron let go of the front of Malfoy's robes. He was, provo he was provoked, Professor. Pro uh, said uh, Hagrid. Sorry, give me one second. He was provoked, uh, provoked, Professor. Said Hagrid, sticking his huge hairy face out from behind the tree. Malfoy was insulting his family. Be that as it may. Fighting against Hogwarts, uh, fighting is against Hogwarts rules, Hagrid. Said Snape, sickly. Five points from Gryffindor, Weasley, and be grateful it isn't more. Keep moving along, all of you. Malfoy, Crab, and Goyle pushed roughly past the tree, scattering needles everywhere and smirking. I'll get him, said Ron, grinding his teeth at Malfoy's back. One of these days, I'll get him. I hate them both, said Harry. Malfoy and Snape. Oh, come on, cheer up. It's nearly Christmas, said Hagrid. Tell you what, come with me and see the Grey Hall. Looks a treat. So the three of them followed Hagrid and his tree off to the Great Hall, where Professor McGonagall and Professor Flitwick were busy with the Christmas decorations. Ah, uh, Hagrid, the last tree, put it in the far corner, would you? The hall looked spectacular. Festoons of holly and mistletoe hung all around the hall, hung all around the walls, and no less than twelve towering Christmas trees stood around the room, some sparkling with tiny icicles, some glittering with hundreds of candles. How many days you got left until your holidays? Hagrid said. Hagrid asked. Just one, said Hermione. And that reminds me, Harry, Ron, we've got half hour before lunch. We should be in the library. Oh, yeah, you're right, said Ron, tearing his eyes away from Professor Flitwick, who had golden bubbles blossoming out of his wand and was trailing them over the branches of the new tree. The library, said Hagrid, following them out of the hall. 
just before the holidays. Bit keen, aren't you? Well, we're not working. Harry told him brightly. Ever since you mentioned N Nicholas Flamel, we've been trying to find out who he is. You what? Hagrid looked shocked. Listen here. I've told you. Drop it. It's nothing to... It's nothing... Ah. It's nothing to you at that dog's garden. We just want to know who Nicholas Femel is. That's all, said Hermione. Unless you'd like to tell us and save us the trouble? Harry added. We must have been through a hundred books already, and we can't find him anywhere. Just give us a hint. I know I've read his name somewhere. I'm saying nothing, said Hagrid flatly. Just have to find out for ourselves, then, said Ron, and they left Hagrid looking disgruntled and hurried off to the library. They had indeed been searching books for, for, for Flamel's name ever since Hagrid had let it slip, because how else were they going to find out what Snape was trying to steal? The trouble was, it was very hard to know where to begin, not knowing what Flamel might have done to get himself into a book. He wasn't in Great Wizards of the Twelfth Century, or Notable Magical Names of Our Time. He was missing, too, from Important Modern Magical Discoveries and a study of recent developments in wizardry. And then, of course, there was the sheer size of the library. Tens of thousands of books, thousands of shelves, hundreds of narrow rows. Hermione took out a list of subjects and titles she had decided to search while Ron strolled off down a row of books and started pulling them off the shelves at random. Harry wandered over to the restricted section. He had been wondering for a while if Flamel wasn't somewhere in there. Unfortunately, he needed a specially signed note from one of the teachers to look in any of the restricted books, and he knew he'd never and he knew he'd never get one. These were the books containing powerful dark magic never taught at Hogwarts, and only read by older students studying advanced defense against the dark arts. What are you looking for, boy? Oh, wait, yeah, that's Madame Pince. Sorry. <laughs> what are you looking for, boy? Nothing said Harry. Madame Pince, the librarian, brandished a feather duster at him. You better get out then. Go on, out. Wishing he'd been hit, mm, wishing he'd been a bit quicker at thinking up some story, Harry left the library. He, Ron, and Hermione had already agreed they'd better not ask Madame Pince where they could, where they could find, Flam mm, where they could find Flamel. They were sure she'd be able to tell them, but they couldn't risk Snape hearing what they were up to. Harry waited outside the corridor to see if the other two had found anything, but he wasn't very hopeful. They had been looking for two weeks after... It says after A on my copy. After all. Uh, after all. Mm. They had been looking for two weeks after all, but as they only had odd moments w between lessons, it wasn't surprising they found nothing. What they really needed was a nice long re was a nice long search without Madame Pince breathing down their necks. Five minutes later, 
Ron and Hermione joined him, shaking their heads. They went off to lunch. Keep looking while I'm away, won't you? said Hermione. And send me an owl if you find anything? And you could ask your parents if they know who Flamel is, said Ron. It would be safe to ask them. Very safe, as they're both dentists, said Hermione. Once the holidays had started, Ron and Harry were having too good a time to think much about Flamel. They had the dormitory to themselves, and the common room was far emptier than usual. So they were able to get the good armchairs by the fire. They sat by the hour, eating anything they could spear on a toasting fork. Bread, English muffins, marshmallows, and plotting ways of getting Malfoy expelled, which were fun to talk about, even if they didn't work. Ron also started teaching Harry wizard chess. This was exactly like muggle chess, except that the figures were alive, which made it a lot more directing, which made it a lot like directing troops in battle. Ron's set was very old and battered. Like everything else he owned, it had once belonged to someone else in the family. In his case, his grandfather. However, old chessmen weren't a drawback at all. Ron knew them so well he'd never had trouble getting them to do what he wanted. Harry played with chessmen Seamus Finnegan had lent him, and they didn't trust him at all. He wasn't a very good player yet, and they kept shouting different bits of advice at him, which was confusing. Don't you see? Or don't send me there. Can't you see his knight? Send him. We can afford to lose him. On Christmas Eve, Harry went to bed looking forward to the next day for the food and the fun, but not expecting any presents at all. When he woke early in the morning, however, the first thing he saw was a small pile of packages at the foot of his bed. Oh, morning. Uh, Merry Christmas, said Ron sleepily as Harry scrambled out of bed and pulled on his bathrobe. You too, said Harry. Will you look at this? I've got some presents. What did you expect? Turnips? Said Ron, turning to his own pile, which was a lot bigger than Harry's. Harry picked up the top parcel. It was wrapped in thick brown paper and scrawled across it was to Harry from Hagrid. Inside was a roughly cut wooden flute. Hagrid had obviously whittled it himself. Harry blew it. It sounded a bit like an owl. A second, very small parcel contained a note. We received your message and enclosed your Christmas present from Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia. Taped to the note was a 50 pence piece. That's friendly, said Harry. Ron was fascinated by the 50 pence. Weird, he said. What a shape. This is money. Eh, you can keep it said Harry, laughing at how pleased Ron was. Hagrid and my aunt and uncle. So, who sent these? I think I know who that one's from, said Ron, turning a bit pink and pointing to a very lumpy parcel. My mom, I told you you didn't expect any presents and... Oh, no. He groaned. She made you a Weasley sweater. 
Harry had torn open the parcel to find a thick, hand-knitted sweater in emerald green and a large box of homemade fudge. Oh, my heart! Every year she makes us a sweater, said Ron, unwrapping his own. And mine's always maroon. That's really nice of her, said Harry, trying the fudge, which was very tasty. His next present also contained candy, a large box of chocolate frogs from Hermione. The only one... Uh, this only left one parcel. Harry picked it up and felt it. It was very light. He unwrapped it. Something fluid and silvery gray went slithering to the floor where it lay in gleaming folds. Ron gasped. I've heard of those, he said in a hushed voice dropping the box of every flavor beans he'd gotten from Hermione. If that's what I think it is, they're really rare and really valuable. What is it? Harry picked up the shining silvery cloth for off the floor. It was strange to the touch, like water woven into material. It's an invisibility cloak, said Ron, a look of awe on his face. I'm sure it is. Try it on. Harry threw the cloak around his shoulders, and Ron gave a yell. It is! Look down! Harry looked down at his feet, but they were gone. He dashed to the mirror. Sure enough, his reflection looked back at him. Just his head suspended in midair, his body completely invisible. He pulled the cloak over his head, and his reflection vanished completely. There's a note said Ron suddenly. A note fell out of it. Harry pulled off the cloak and seized the letter. Written in narrow, loopy writing he had never seen before were the following words. Your father left this in my possession before he died. It's time it was returned to you. Use it well. A very Merry Christmas to you. There was no signature. Harry stared at the note. Ron was admiring the cloak. I'd give anything for one of these, he said. Anything. What's the matter? Nothing, said Harry. He felt very strange. Who had sent the cloak? Had it really once belonged to his father? Before he could say anything or think anything else, the dormitory door was flung open and Fred and George Weasley bounded in. Harry stuffed the cloak quickly out of sight. He didn't feel like sharing it with anyone else yet. Merry Christmas! Hey look, Harry's got a Weasley sweater too! Fred and George were wearing blue sweaters, one with a large yellow F on it, the other a G. Harry's is better than ours though, said Fred, holding up Harry's sweater. She obviously makes more of an effort if you're not family. Why aren't you wearing yours, Ron? George demanded. Come on, get it on. They're lovely and warm. I hate maroon. Ron moaned half-heartedly as he pulled his over his head. You haven't got you haven't got a letter on yours. George observed. I suppose she thinks you don't forget your name, but we're not stupid. We know we're called Gred and Forge. <laughs> What's all this noise? Percy, Percy Weasley stuck his head through the door, looking disapproving. 
He had clearly gotten halfway through unwrapping his presents as he, too, carried a lumpy sweater over his arm, which Fred seized. P for Prefect. Get it on, Percy. Come on. We're all wearing ours. Even Harry got one. I don't want... Said Percy, said Percy thickly, mm, said Percy thickly, as the twins forced the sweater over his head, knocking his glasses askew. And you're not sitting with the prefects today either, said George. Christmas is a time for family. They frog marched Percy. They frog marched Percy out of the rooms, his arms pinned to his side by his sweater. Harry had never in all his life had such a Christmas dinner. A hundred fat roasted turkeys, mountains of roast and boiled potatoes, platters of... Chipolatas. Chipolatas. What's a chipolata? I have no I fucking know. clue. I want to know what a chipolata is. Uh, well, it I'll make a note. Good. Give me a second. Tureens of buttered peas... Silver boats of thick, rich gravy and cranberry sauce, and stacks of wizard crackers every few feet along the table. These fantastic party favors were nothing like the feeble muggle ones the Dursleys usually bought, with their little plastic toys and their flimsy paper hats inside. Harry pulled a wizard cracker with Fred, and it didn't. And it didn't just bang. It went off with a blast like a cannon and engulfed them all in a cloud of blue smoke. While <laughs> from the inside exploded a rear admi admirals. Mm. While from the inside exploded a rear at mm. Okay, that's how it's written. Okay. While from the inside exploded a rear admiral's hat and several live white mice. Up at the high table, Dumbledore had swapped his mm. Dumbledore had swapped his pointed wizard's hat for a flowered bonnet and was chuckling merrily at a joke Professor Flitwick had just read him. Flaming Christmas mm. puddings flowed... Mm. Flaming Christmas puddings followed the turkey. Percy nearly broke his teeth on a silver sickle embedded in his slice. Harry watched Hagrid getting redder and redder in the face as he called for more wine, finally kissing Professor McGonagall on the cheek, who, to Harry's amazement, giggled and blushed, her top hat lopsided. When Harry finally left the table, he had laden down with a stack of... Mm, he was laden down with a stack of things out of the crackers, including a pack of non-explodable luminous balloons, a grow-your-own warts kit, and his own new wizard chess set. The white mice had disappeared, and Harry had a nasty feeling they were going to end up as Mrs. Norris's Christmas Mrs. Norris's Christmas dinner. Harry and the Weasleys spent a happy afternoon having a furious snowball fight on the grounds. Then cold, then cold, wet and gasping for breath, they returned to the fire in the Gryffindor common room, where Harry broke in his new chess set by losing spectacularly to Ron. He suspected he wouldn't have lost so badly if Percy hadn't tried to help him so much. After a meal of turkey sandwiches, crumpets, trifle, and Christmas cake, everyone felt too full and sleepy to do much before bed except sit and watch Percy chase Fred and George all over Gryffindor Tower 
because they'd stolen his prefect badge. It had been Harry's best Christmas day ever, yet something had been nagging at the back of his mind all day. Not until he climbed into bed was he free to think about it. The invisibility cloak and whoever had sent it. Ron, full of turkey and cake and with nothing mysterious to bother him, fell asleep almost as soon as he'd drawn the curtains of his four-poster. Harry leaned over the side of his own bed and pulled the cloak out from under it. His father's. This has been his father's. He let the material flow over his hands, smoother than silk, light as air. Use it well, the note had said. He had to try it now. He slipped out of bed and wrapped the cloak around himself, looking down at his legs. He saw only moonlight and shadows. It was a very funny feeling. Use it well. Suddenly, Harry felt wide awake. The whole of Hogwarts was open to him in this. The whole of Hogwarts was open to him in this cloak. Excitement flooded through him as he stood there in the dark and silence. He could go anywhere in this. Anywhere. And Filch would never know. Ron grunted in his sleep. Should Harry wake him? Something held him back. His father's cloak. He felt that this time, the first time, he wanted to use it alone. He crept out of the dormitory, down the stairs, across the common room, and climbed through the portrait hole. Who's there? Squawked the fat lady. Harry said nothing. He walked quickly down the corridor. Where should he go? He stopped, his heart racing, and thought. And then it came to him. The restricted section in the library. He'd be able to read as long as he'd liked. As long as it took... As long as it took to find out who Flamel was. He set off. Drawing the invisibility cloak, drawing the invisibility cloak tight around him as he walked. The library was pitch black and very eerie. Harry lit a lamp to see his way along the rows of books. The lamp looked as if it was floating along in midair, and even though Harry could feel his arm supporting it, the sight gave him the creeps. The restricted section was right at the back of the library. Stepping carefully over the rope that separated these books from the rest of the library, he held up his lamp to read the titles. One second. Tearful Venus, thank you for the follow. Thank you. They didn't tell him much. Their peeling, faded gold letters spelled words and languages Harry couldn't understand. Some had no title at all. One book had a dark stain on it that looked horribly like blood. The hairs on the back of Harry's neck prickled. Maybe he was imagining it, maybe not. But he thought a faint whispering was coming from the books, as though they knew someone was there who shouldn't be. He had to start somewhere. Setting the lamp down carefully on the floor, he looked along the bottom shelf for an interesting-looking book. 
a large black and silver volume caught his eye. He pulled it out with difficulty, because it was very heavy, and balancing it on one and balancing it on his knee, let it fall open. A piercing, blood-curdling shriek split the silence. The book was screaming. Harry snapped it shut, but the shriek went on and on, one high, unbroken, ear-splitting note. He stumbled backward and knocked over his lamp, which went out at once. Panicking, he heard footsteps coming down the corridor outside. Stuck, stuffing the shrieking book back on the shelf, he ran for it. He passed Filch in the doorway. Filch's pale, wild eyes looked straight through him, and Harry slipped under Filch's outstretched arm and streaked off up the corridor, the book's shriek still ringing in his ears. He came to a sudden halt in front. He came to a sudden halt in front of a tall suit of armor. He had been so busy getting away from the library, he hadn't paid attention to where he was going. Perhaps because it was dark, he didn't recognize where he was at all. There was a suit of armor near the kitchens. He knew, but he must be five floors above here. He must be five floors above there. You asked me to come directly to you, Professor, if anyone was wandering around at night. And someone's been in the library. Restricted section. Harry felt the Harry felt the blood drain out of his face. Wherever he was, Filch must have known a shortcut, because his soft, greasy voice was getting nearer, and to his horror, it was Snape who had replied. The restricted section? Well, they can't be far. We'll catch them. Harry stood rooted to the spot, as Filch and Snape came around the corner ahead. They couldn't see him, of course, but it was a narrow corridor, and if they came much nearer, they'd knock right into him. The cloak didn't stop him from being solid. He backed away as quietly as he could. A door stood ajar to his left. It was his only hope. He squeezed through it, holding his breath, trying not to move it, and to his relief, he managed to get inside the room without their noticing anything. They walked straight past, and Harry leaned against the wall, breathing deeply, listening to their footsteps dying away. That had been close, very close. It was a few seconds before he noticed anything about the room he had hidden in. It looked like an unused classroom. The dark shapes of desks and chairs were piled against the walls, and there was an un and there was an upturned waste paper basket. But propped against the wall facing him was something that didn't look as if it belonged there. Something that looked as if someone had just put it there to keep it out of the way. It was a magnificent mirror, as high as the ceiling, with an ornate gold frame standing on two clawed feet. There was an inscription carved around the top. Irised straeu oit ube kafru oit on wursi. His panic fading now, that there was no sound of Filch and Snape, Harry moved nearer to the mirror, wanting to look at himself, but see no reflection again. He stepped in front of it. 
He had to clap his hands to his mouth to stop himself from screaming. He whirled around. His heart was pounding far more furiously than when he looked, than when the book had screamed. For he had not only seen himself in the mirror, but a whole crowd of people standing right behind him. But the room was empty. Breathing very fast, he turned slowly back to the mirror. There he was, reflected in it, white and scared looking. And there, reflected behind him, were at least ten others. Harry looked over his shoulder, but still, no one was there. Or were they all invisible, too? Was he, in fact, in a room full of invisible people, and this mirror's trick was that it reflected them? Invisible or not? He looked in the mirror again. A woman, standing right behind his reflection, was smiling at him and waving. He reached out a hand and felt the air behind him. If she was really there, he'd touch her. Their reflections were so close together, but he felt only air. She and the others existed only in the mirror. She was a very pretty woman. She had dark red hair and her eyes. Her eyes were just like his. Her eyes are just like mine, Harry thought, edging a little closer to the glass. Bright green. Exactly the same shape. But then he noticed that she was crying. Smiling, but crying at the same time. The tall, thin, black-haired man standing next to her put his arm around her. He wore glasses, and his hair was very untidy. It stuck up at the back, just as Harry's did. Harry was so close to the mirror now that his nose was nearly touching that of his reflection. Mom? He whispered. Dad? They just looked at him, smiling. And slowly, Harry looked into the faces of the other people in the mirror. He saw the other pairs of green eyes like his, other noses like his, even a little old man who looked as though he had Harry's knobbly knees. Harry was looking at his family for the first time in his life. The Potters smiled and waved at Harry, and he stared hungrily back at them. His hands pressed flat against the glass as though he was hoping to fall right through it and reach them. He had a powerful kind of ache inside him. Half joy, half terrible sadness. How long he stood there, he didn't know. The, the reflections did not fade, and he looked and looked until a distant noise brought him back to his senses. He couldn't stay here. He had to find a way, he had to find his way back to bed. He tore his eyes away from his mother's face, whispered, I'll come back, and hurried from the room. You could have woken me up, said Ron crossly. You can come tonight, I'm going back, and I want to show you the mirror. I'd like to see your mom and dad, Ron said eagerly. And I want to see all your family, all the Weasleys. You'll be able to show me your other brothers and everyone. You can see them any old time, said Ron. Just come around to my house this summer. Anyway, maybe it only shows dead people. Shame about not finding Flamel, though. 
Have some bacon or something. Why aren't you eating anything? Harry couldn't eat. He had seen his parents and would be seeing them again tonight. He had almost forgotten about Flamel. It didn't seem very important anymore. Who cared what the three-headed dog was was guarding? What did it matter if Snape, if Snape stole it, really? Are you all right? Said Ron. You look odd. What Harry feared most was that he might not be able to find the mirror room again. With Ron covered in the cloak, too, they had to walk much more slowly the next night. They tried retracing Harry's route from the library, wandering around the dark passageways for nearly an hour. I'm freezing, said Ron. Let's forget it and go back. No, Harry hissed. I know it's here somewhere. They passed the ghost of a tall witch gliding in the opposite direction, but saw no one else. Just as Ron started moaning that his feet were dead with cold, Harry spotted the suit of armor. It's here. Just here. Yes. They pushed the door open. Harry dropped the cloak from around his shoulders and ran to the mirror. There they were. His mother and father beamed at the sight of him. See? Harry whispered. I can't see anything. Look. Look at them all. There's... Wait. Hold on. Uh, hang on a sec. Did you lose your space? No, just give me a second. Look, look at them all. There are loads of them. I can only see you. Look at it properly. Go on, stand where I am. Harry stepped aside, but with Ron in front of the mirror, he couldn't see his family anymore. Just Ron in his paisley pajamas. Ron, though, was staring transfixed at his image. Look at me, he said. Can you, can you see all your family standing around you? No, I'm alone, but I'm different. I look older and I'm a head boy. What? I am, I'm wearing the badge like Bill used to and I'm holding the house cup and the Quidditch cup. I'm Quidditch captain too. Ron tore his eyes away from his, from the splendid sight to look excitedly at Harry. Do you think this mirror shows the future? How can it? All my family are dead. Let me have another look. You had it to yourself all last night. Give me a bit more time. You're only holding the Quidditch cup. What's interesting about that? I want to see my parents. Don't push me! A sudden noise outside in the corridor put an end to their discussion. They hadn't realized how loudly they had been talking. Quick! Ron threw the cloak back over them as the luminous eyes of Mrs. Norris came around the door. Ron and Harry stood quite still, both thinking the same thing. Did the cloak work on cats? After what seemed an age, she turned and left. This isn't safe. She might have gone for Filch. I bet she heard us. Come on. And Ron pulled Harry out of the room. The snow still hadn't melted the next morning. Want to play chess? Said Ron. No. Why don't we go for a go down and visit Hagrid? No, you go. I know what you're thinking about, Harry. That mirror. Don't go back tonight. Why not? I don't know. I just got a bad feeling about it. And anyway, you've had too many close shaves already. Filch, Snape, and Mrs. Norris are wandering around. So what if you can't? So what if they can't see you? What if they walk into you? What if you knock something over? You sound like Hermione. I'm serious. 
Harry, don't go. <laughs> Shit. Hold on. One moment. Technical difficulties. It skipped on me again. Do, do, do. This intermission brought to you by... Electronics uh, being wait, brought to wait, you by electronics wait. being a dick. Yeah. Also, hold on, I got something. <laughs> Is it a cat? Got oh. you by Bulk Barn. It's a plastic Bulk Barn bag. Awesome, I love it. Woo. All right, come on. It used to have these nuts. <laughs> <laughs> these nuts. But Harry only had one thought in his head, which was to get back in front of the mirror. And Ron wasn't going to stop him. That third night, he found his way more quickly than before. He was walking so fast, he knew he was making more noise than was wise. But he didn't meet anyone. And there were his mother and father smiling at him again. And one of his grandfathers nodding happily. Harry sank down to sit on the floor in front of the mirror. There was nothing to stop him from staying here all night with his family. Nothing at all. Except... So, back again, Harry. Harry felt as though his inside... Harry felt as though his insides had turned to ice. He looked behind him. Sitting on one of the desks by the wall was none other than Albus Dumbledore. Harry must have walked straight past him. So desperate to get to the mirror, he hadn't noticed him. I didn't see you, sir. Strange how nearsighted being invisible can make you, said Dumbledore. And Harry was relieved to see that he was smiling. So, said Dumbledore, slipping off the desk to sit on the floor with Harry. One moment, please. You, like hundreds before you, have discovered the delights of the Mirror of Erised. I didn't know it was called that, sir. But I expect you realized by now what it does. It, well, it shows me my family. And it showed your friend Ron himself as head boy. How did you know? I don't need a cloak to become invisible. Said Dumbledore gently. Now, can you think of what the Mirror of Erised shows us all? Harry shook his head. Let me explain. The happiest man on Earth would be able to use the Mirror of Erised like a normal mirror. That is, he would look into it and see himself exactly as he is. Does that help? Harry thought. Then, he said slowly, It shows us what we want? Whatever we want. Yes, and no, said Dumbledore quietly. It shows us nothing more or less than the deepest, most desperate desire of our hearts. You, who have never known your family, see them standing around you. Ronald Weasley, who has been overshadowed by his brothers, sees himself standing alone, the best of all of them. However, this mirror will give us neither knowledge nor truth. Men have wasted away before it, entranced by what they have seen, or been driven mad not knowing if what it shows is real or even possible. The mirror 
The mirror will be moved to a new home tomorrow, Harry. And I ask you not to go looking for it again. If you ever do run across it, you will now be prepared. It does not do to dwell in dreams and forget to live. Remember that. Now, why don't you put that admirable cloak back on and get off to bed? Harry stood up. Sir, Professor Dumbledore, can I ask you something? Obviously, you've just done so. Dumbledore smiled. You may ask me one more thing, however. What do you see when you look in the mirror? I... I see myself holding a pair of thick woolen socks. Harry stared. One he knows you, lion! One can never have enough socks, said Dumbledore. We know you a liar. Another Christmas has come and gone, and I didn't get a single pair. People will insist on giving me books. It was only when he was back in bed that it struck Harry that Dumbledore might not have been quite truthful. But then, he thought, as he shoved Scabbers out of his pillow, it had been quite a personal question. And thus ends chapter 12. Sorry, I'm just jotting notes as we go. I've been, like, writing down notes, so. Thus ends chapter 12. So. To Dumbledore, why are you always lying? I've, okay, so I might have a plan on how to fix the camera problem, which mm -hmm. we will address during break. Yep. Mm -hmm. So Secondly, uh, notes. Yes. Who's got them? Go ahead. What's your first point? All right. Um, first point. Fred continues to be best big brother because, well, one, he told Percy point blank, holidays are for family. You're not spending it with your prefect friends and drags him out. Also, <laughs> he makes sure that he, it's mentioned specifically that he and not Ron is the one that helps him with the cracker. Yep. Which I thought was adorable. Absolutely. I love Christmas crackers. <laughs> yeah, but this one actually spews out colors. Yeah. Which I'm right? jealous about. Yep. Don't, don't sniff that. Don't sniff that. So, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 I'm just talking to Nacho. He's trying to do something with the new plan I have. So, uh, no please continue. So, my first point is wizard's chess. I have a question about that. Mm -hmm. Do you have to keep mm -hmm. replacing the pieces? I think only if they've become so tattered and uh, broken that they probably can't even respond to you anymore. Because I know in the book, when the wizard's chess pieces battle, they actually destroy or dismember one another. So do they put themselves back together uh, at the end of the match? Or when they're I... taken off to the sidelines? Or... How the hell does that work? I think... I think... That it is similar, like, their limbs are connected kind of like how magnets are. You know, like the Rock'em Sock'em mm -hmm. robots? Yeah. Uh, okay. So I think they're meant to, like, fall apart, and then they get back together. But after years of wear and tear, eventually, like, the magic starts mm -hmm. to wear away. And so then yeah. you have to replace certain pieces. Like, I imagine pawns need to be replaced, like, every couple of years or so. Mm -hmm. But, like... Unless you're a really good player, your king needs to only replace like once every two decades or so. Fair. Yeah. Kritishai says, I'm assuming there's some kind of auto repair on him. Or yeah. auto repair spell on him. So, 
my next question. Huh? Why the fuck does Dumbledore have the invisibility cloak? This bugs the shit out of me. I know that James, like, we know that it's James's cloak. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. James gave it to Dumbledore for some reason, which means we also know that Dumbledore has also been in control of all three Deathly Hallows. Mm-hmm. Yep. We also know that Harry has collected all three Deathly Hallows specifically from Dumbledore. Yep. I think... But if Dumbledore can make himself invisible without a cloak... Why the fuck did he need it in the first place? Why the fuck did he borrow it from James in the first place? Well, maybe uh, he was just holding on to it for Harry. But, so are you saying they gave it to Dumbledore in advance of them potentially being killed? Are you saying Possib- they, there's a possibility that they predicted that they were going to die? Possibly, if, if if you remember in the uh, fourth story in the fourth film, there is a picture of Harry's parents as being part of um, uh, what was it, the original Dumbledore's army. Mm. So that was probably the Order a preempt. Order, yeah, Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. Um, and because in certain situations when people are part of like. Uh, military or something that could potentially get them offed something very valuable that is meant to go to next of kin would probably be set aside preemptively just in case fair uh i got a question for that then Mm -hmm. here's the thing the most safest place at the time to leave something was at gringotts fit vault you mean to tell me i think what actually happened was the cloak Okay, so I have two lines of thinking. I'll go my first, I'll continue with this one, then I'll go to the next one. I think James most likely left his cloak because I think it's hinted later on in the series it's a family heirloom. I think he left it in his family vault mm-hmm. for safekeeping. Mm-hmm. And and since Dumbledore is the magical guardian, he had like control of it. He took it out and Fair. just said, "Oh, your dad lent this to me." Thinking number two. I think. James would have kept it on him? Because think about it. They were in hiding yep. from Voldemort. Yep. You mm-hmm. mean to tell me he wouldn't keep a thing that hid you from, like, all things on him at all times? Or, like, cloaked Lily or told Lily to grab the cloak and go grab Harry while he held off Voldemort? Yeah. Uh, Cricket says to study it or um, there's a there's a theory. She brought up a theory that um maybe dumbledore had it on him to study it so actually there's something interesting here uh, so over on tiktok i've got bliss commenting live so we can actually interact live important mm-hmm. point dumbledore never had the three hallows all at once which we'll get into um, i want to i want to come back to that point but the second is lily says in a later letter uh, in a, a letter later in the series that dumbledore borrowed it for something and never gave it back bitch so again why did dumbledore borrow the cloak i kind of want to go along with cricket's theory then if that's the case because he he can do invisibility without the cloak 
what if he did take it to study it to learn how to learn the magic of invisibility so that way he could do it without having the cloak this is and hold on hold on hold on uh lady Punnett looks like she's about to burst at the seams here guys what 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 if he took it to ensure the prophecy could be fulfilled i mean think about it he took it and borrowed it and if lily wrote a letter that means she was still alive and that means they were probably in hiding what if she took what if he took it to ensure that they couldn't hide harry or hide lily to ensure the prophecy would occur dumbledore you dick I mean, that does fall under Dumbledore's asshattery as to um, putting things into motion so that way he can have a final hoorah before he kicks the bucket. Bliss says, she literally says, quote, James is annoyed at the fact that Dumbledore still has the cloak. <laughs> so even James wasn't okay with it. Which nope. means Dumbledore took it most likely without uh, either without their permission or kept it well after he had permission to keep it. Mm-hmm. And I Tyrion imagine Phoenix, it was probably the second one. Probably. Tyrion Phoenix says, premonition? I mean, Me. still, still going along with the lines of uh, trying to make sure the prophecy happens and Dumbledore putting things in motion to make sure he can still have his final hoorahs being one of the greatest wizards of modern history. And my most important question for this chapter, the one that overshadows mm-hmm. everything else... The one that's, you know, it's the foremost, it's, it, it, it's the foremost, the most important question at the front of my mind. Does Percy Weasley know how to do anything other than not look, dis- uh, other than look disapprovingly? Or is he just always disapproving? Is that just like his face? I he think has... the issue is with Percy is that he is, by all definitions, smack dab in the middle. He is Fair. the middle child. He is the oldest currently at Hogwarts. Fair. But Fred and Weez, Fred and George will never look at him like the eldest brother. He is the middle child. He has the most to prove for everybody, and he needs to do that. I think – here's the thing. We know that Percy is a prick. Yep. We know this. He's a prick throughout all the books. That's never going to change. He wasn't with them in the second book when they went to go rescue Harry. But I think the issue with Percy is he is, how do I word this properly? Overcompensating. No, it's a, the Weasley as a format are all about family and how sometimes family strays from each other. I think Percy sees what his parents are going through. And he also, I think eventually maybe wants a family, but he wants to be in a position where he can provide for his family so that he doesn't have to be, I'm sorry, you have to get your brother's wand. Yeah, I can't afford to get your own, or I'm sorry we don't have enough for an extravagant Christmas. I think he's one of those kids that's just trying really, really hard to get himself out of a situation, uh, off the line of poverty. But he's doing it in a really shitty way, and he's not taking into account, oh, hey, I still have family. I'm still only, like, 15 years old, and I should be enjoying my my Hogwarts experience and enjoying my time with my family. And this is my last two years at Hogwarts, and I need water. So on that note, on that note, real quick, on that note, besides being a shitty asshole part, Lady Pony, why are you going to call me out like that? (laughs) Uh, Bliss, uh, from what it looks like, has actually gone and found the quote. 
Quote, James is a getting a bit frustrated shut up here. He tries not to show it, but I can tell. Also, Dumbledore's still got his invisibility cloak, so, uh, cloak, so no chance of little excursions. See? See? That proves my point! That that Dumbledore probably took the cloak, so that way they would know they would be there the night that was gonna happen. Next on my list, what is a chipolata? Mm -hmm. Taryn Phoenix in our audience has actually answered this question for us. <gasps> Yay! A chipolata is, is a uh, chipolata is a type of fresh sausage, likely created in France. Sausages by that name appear in the 1903 edition of Escoffier's Le Guide Culinaire. Uh, chipolatas are often pre uh, prepared as a relatively thin and short sausage. They are typically made from coarse ground pork seasoned with salt and pepper together with herbs and spices, according to the partic this particular recipe, such as sage, thyme, pimento, or nutmeg. The word is French and probably derives from the Italian Chipolata, which essentially means made with onions, and according to some sources, may have referred to an onion stew with sausages. Chipolatas are common in the United Kingdom. And so on... it's a breakfast sausage. Yep. Yeah. Uh, which means you could theoretically, if I if I understand correctly, use it for bangers and match mash because I believe that is sausage and uh, like a ma I think a mashed, mashed potato, potato side. Um, the yeah. other thing is a tureen. Do you guys know what a tureen is? Is it a turnip? No. I thought the same thing, but no. Um, Tureen is a serving dish for foods such as soups or stews, often shaped as a broad, deep oval vessel with fixed handles and a low domed cover with a knob or handle. Over the centuries, tureens have appeared in many different forms, uh, some round, some rectangular, da-da-da-da. Basically, apparently what it is, you put soup in it. So think almost a gravy boat, except a little rounder. You put soup in it, oh. and you pour the soup from this dish. It's something oh. that we don't use these days, and I'm assuming is probably only used in fancy settings. Like, we're talking, like, upper echelon rich people. Those of us that are common rabble don't really need it. Unless I it have is... four soup bowls. I sit here <laughs> eating soup out of the pot with a spoon, like... I have a crock pot. Yes, it is. I have one too. Crock pots are great. Um, yes, they are. so so another point I want to bring up. Uh, so the mirror shows you what you most desire. Yep. But why mm -hmm. was Lily sad? Uh, so the, I had the way a theory... it was described were happy tears. Yeah. Oh. Oh. So I had that. That kind of vetoes my theory then because I thought sure the mirror shows you what you most desire, but. They, they have to get the image from somewhere. So what if it was her spirit? Yep. But what if it's the spirit of his family members showing him? It said she was... And they're happy to like see him too, which is why they don't tell him the dangers of the mirror. It said she was crying, but she was happy while she was doing it or something to that effect. Um, they're happy tears. She's happy to see him, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm -hmm. she's sad she can't touch him, but, I mean, what we know of Lily is that she was, like, all fucking her. She's fierce, but all fucking her. Also, um, a, a note about the Mirror of Erised specifically. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, especially youngins who might be on this stream, the inscription around the mirror itself, it's actually, I show not your face but your heart's desire and it's written backwards yep yeah i i picked up on that in my first read through mm -hmm. um so let's uh, let's move on for a moment let's talk about oh. the invisibility sorry go ahead 
if you have a well thing. i had i had one more thing yeah. about the well two more things about the mirror technically yeah the first one was that with ron weasley he he wants to stand out from his family but the interesting thing about the mirror is it didn't show his family with him to stand out from them yeah which I thought was really interesting. Like, not, not a sign of, oh, his mom's so proud of him, or, oh, his dad's so proud of him, or anything like that, or, like, his brother's in jealousy. It just showed him, which kind of also shows how Ron, in his drive to be to stand out, can be a bit more self-centered. I have to mm-hmm. say, out of all three of them, he's the most prone to, prone to selfishness. Yep. Mm-hmm. And another thing is that after... Uh, Ron has seen it for the first time. He shows no sign of wanting to go back. He tells Harry, look, I, I, I got a bad feeling about it. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. It's, it's not going to bring any good. Which also kind of goes into the theory that uh, Ron is has an affinity with divination ron has and that an, also ron has like a sixth a sixth sense about things he can he can pick up on things that others don't necessarily see even even if he doesn't realize it it's more instinct as opposed to intuition yep. he's an example of like someone that has a, a higher wisdom stat yes yeah absolutely um but also this shows that harry is prone to addiction mm-hmm. more often than mm-hmm. not because he gets he spends like Obs- i want to say maybe less than a half hour with the mirror and all of a sudden behavior, he want to go back which we mm-hmm. can also attribute back to voldemort as well the connection between mm-hmm. those two mm-hmm. um, so let's talk about the invisibility cloak and the deathly hallows for a second because we don't actually f- find out about the deathly hallows until book seven so but what do we want to talk about, about dumbledore exactly. has all three at yes. some point he has mm-hmm. the Elder Wand, which he got from Grindelwald. Mm-hmm. He has the Invisibility Cloak, which he got from James Potter. And he mm-hmm. has the Resurrection Stone at some point because he put it inside of Harry's first snitch, which we actually just saw Harry catch. In his mouth. In his mouth. But he didn't have all three at once. Or mm-hmm. he didn't He didn't have all three all at once, I don't think. Actually, wait a minute, because he had the... Cl- so he, he got the wand from Grindelwald... Yes. So that would have been in the 1940s. He mm-hmm. got the cloak from James Potter, which would have been in the 80s. We don't know when he picked up the Resurrection Stone. But he had, to, he had to have put it in the snitch well after Harry caught it, which means... No, because he gave Harry the cloak, and he would have gotten probably the Resurrection Stone after, which means he didn't actually have all three Hallows all at once. And I think mm-hmm. that is important to note, because I do think that Dumbledore may have been... So the the books try to paint Dumbledore as a good guy, but we know Dumbledore is manipulative. He is an asshole. And yep. therein lies a thought that Dumbledore with all three Deathly Hallows, I believe, would have been sorely tempted by the power that he held. Yeah. It would have been his downfall, and I think he would have turned into another Grindelwald, potentially. Probably. Isn't that why uh, Dumbledore insists on being the headmaster of the school and not in a high position of power because he himself is afraid of what that power would do to him? I don't. Because he's think... seen what happens when he has too much. I don't mm-hmm. think Dumbledore trusts himself. Which, let's face it, as much as Dumbledore is an asshole and he's manipulative, not trusting yourself with power and realizing that you can't be trusted with a, that kind of power—that's the mark of a wise man. That's the mark I mean, of somebody who has learned some really hard lessons. 
I mean, and also let's just, uh, on that note, let's take a look at how old Dumbledore actually was when he kicked the bucket. Whoa! Uh, Bliss has actually just made a point. Mm -hmm. We do actually know when Dumbledore got to the Resurrection Stone. I didn't make that connection before. Thank you, Bliss. We do actually Wait, know isn't it the Philosopher's Stone? No, it's not. Nope. Um, we do know when Dumbledore got to the Resurrection Stone. It was book six because he mm -hmm. tried to use it and he burnt his hand and then Snape said he had about a year to live after that. Oh, yeah. The stone in the ring. Yep. Mm -hmm. Uh, so Cricket says probably between books five and six because it's crippled hand in book six. I didn't make the connection that that was the, uh, the resurrection stone. Shit. I don't okay. think you would have been able to stay away from the stone or on the ring for very long. Right? Uh, I don't think Dumbledore would have, uh, like I said, I don't think Dumbledore trusted himself enough to have that kind of power in his hands. Which good for Dumbledore. Uh, it, again, it's the mark of a wise person. That's probably his only <laughs> saving grace. Bliss brought up a point earlier that I jotted down. Only a single rope blocking the restricted section in a magical school? <laughs> I always thought that I always envisioned that for the restricted section it was like a gate with mm -hmm. a key that only mm -hmm. Madame Pince had the key to mm -hmm. like in the film yeah like in the film because I mean okay face it look at it this way if it was only a rope Rochelle would would have been hopping over that rope like every other day mm. to get into the restricted section <laughs> we all know this Bliss says yep. also interesting point Dumbledore chose now to give the cloak back what timing? I know, I know why. Why? He, okay, here's the thing. As the headmaster of a school, he doesn't have much time to interact with the students outside of maybe mealtime, and that's not one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. He is trying to make himself look as benevolently, as like, as grandfatherly as possible. And what do grandparents do for their grandchildren? They spoil the fuck out of them. Spoil mm -hmm. the fuck out of them during the holidays. Yep. Also, with the timing of when it arrived, it's very convenient timing for that cloak to arrive when they're in the middle of trying to find out more about Nicholas Fumel and trying to find out what the frick is uh, being hidden underneath Fluffy. You can't tell me Dumbledore didn't know about that. Dumbledore knows every... Somebody sneezes in that school and Dumbledore knows about it. You can't tell me he didn't know that they were looking for Nicholas Flamel and that they were investigating Fluffy. And you can't tell me that he didn't understand that by giving them that cloak, giving an 11-year-old child that cloak and basically sets them loose in the castle, unsupervised. You cannot tell me he didn't know that was going to happen. Hogwarts which... told Dumbledore. <clears throat> yeah. Which Hogwarts both... is sentient. Yeah, I was about to say, going back to Lady Punnett's point uh, made in an earlier episode, that Hogwarts School, the actual building itself, is sentient in a sense and probably has some connection to the headmaster mm -hmm. by letting the headmaster know all the, the all of the goings-on as to what happens. Yeah. Uh, Bliss says they put an age line in the Goblet of Fire, restricted section with loads of dark magic, and a tiny rope to guard it. Uh, okay, so maybe there's like, oh, so wait, Harry had stated, or at least one of the kids had stated that you needed written permission to enter. Maybe mm -hmm. there's like a magic line over it that's like a barrier that unless you have like a note written by a confirmed professor, yeah, you can't enter, which would make which would make sense. Fair. Not as cool as like a locked gate, but 
But the fact that he was still able to get over, get through it with just the invisibility cloak. He had permission from Dumbledore. Uh, because Harry, uh, Cricket says, because Harry could not know before he came to school and it would raise too many questions to give it to him sooner. Mysterious gift on an odd day? Teacher would have grabbed it. I mean, you're not wrong there. Um, I do have two more points here. And my mind I is have just one last one, that. too. So. Pardon? I have one last point as well, okay, and want, whoever wants to go first can. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so this was just like a throwaway line at the end of the chapter. Mm. Why the fuck was Scabbers in Harry's pillow? I mean, Scabbers is... Uh, we know who Scabbers is. Yes. Yeah, so what if Scabbers was investigating Harry's uh, stuff. Could be. Uh, dust, uh, Dusty Hemp I... Uchiha, thank you for the follow. I have, I, have, I have some thoughts. Like, okay, my first thought was he was in the pillow specifically because he was trying to get Harry's hair. Because maybe he thought if I save up enough of these for when the Dark Lord rises, I can, we can use it for Polyjuice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My second one, and this is, uh, is kind of going into like really dark territory the headmaster portraits have other frames in the school and can move between them that's how news gets to the headmaster quickly yeah but we we're also moving on the assumption that hogwarts itself is alive as a structure so mm -hmm. oh i read i've read several fan fictions about this and it's disturbing that um scabbers is often with ron through all moments of life including um bathing Mm-hmm. We're not gonna go there. I don't want to go there, but I'm wondering if that's what it was kind of about. He likes to watch Harry while he sleeps. Critter oh. says, more proof of how cool Fred and George are. Never said a word about seeing a dude named Peter sharing a bed with Ron. <laughs> We're not I gonna think... go there. Okay, I have a theory about that, actually. Mm -hmm. I have a theory about that. I have two. One, they could... Because my first theory is that if you're in your animagus form, that, especially for the Marauders, it doesn't show up. Okay. Because think about it. If someone somehow got a hold of the map, figured it out, they could see, hey, wait a second, I'm in this hallway. I don't see Peter Pettigrew. Mm -hmm. All I see is a rat. Fair. Also, um... Because animals don't show up on the, uh, map. Don't they, though? I thought in the third film, uh, when... Miss Norris Her does. Yeah, but, like, Harry, I think, was following, following Peter Pettigrew using the Marauder's map, and he almost right. had encountered him in the halls, but he didn't see him because Peter was in Animagus form. They say animals do show on the map. Uh, yeah. Our audience says, it's confirmed you can't see people on the map if you don't know that they're animagi. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's a thought. Mm -hmm. If you don't know somebody can can change forms, uh, if you don't know somebody is an animagus, you can't see them on the map. Huh. Potentially. So did, that, how uh, did Blake, Harry... Was, oh! It, because Harry it was might when have... Snape got the map, he saw Peter Pettigrew on the map. Harry didn't. Mm-hmm. Okay, I had a different thought that maybe 
Harry had like repressed memories because everyone's always like, oh, when Harry in fan fiction, Harry was a baby. He called them Uncle Mooney and Uncle Padput and Uncle Warmtail because those are easier to say that maybe he had a repressed memory of like seeing his uncles transform. Well, it, not Mooney, but like could be Padfoot and we may Pettigrew. this is something we may never know. I'm going to have to do some digging into that. Dumbledore. Have to, like, Sorry, go ahead. We might have to like go with our own yeah. theories and. Somebody, somebody make a note that this is something we might want to put in the resources section. Mm-hmm. Uh, like uh, character info for resources? Yep. And uh, Bliss says, Harry didn't see Peter until after he heard the story about him. Um, oh. Moving on. Dumbledore in the mirror, using the disillusionment charm. Which we actually see Dumbledore and Harry do later, kind of like the what did they say, the sticky cold egg trickling down as Harry and Dumbledore turn invisible. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of a quick throwaway thought from me. He used the disillusionment charm. Don't need a cloak yep. to turn invisible. <laughs> Hello, sinful flesh. Uh, and last, and last, and my most important point for this entire chapter. Mm. The socks. Everybody's favorite point for this chapter. Yep. Dumbledore lies to Harry. We know this. We yep. don't know how much of this is a lie, however. That being said, he may see himself holding thick woolen socks, but I want to say that... The socks may have been a gift from Grindelwald because we mm -hmm. know they had a love thing going on. That they was my roommates. theory too. And Dumbledore's heart desires not only his childhood friend, but his younger lover. They were roommates. <laughs> they were roommates. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I agree with that theory about the whole socks theory. I mean, even Harry, who who we all know can be like as dense as a fog on a lake mm -hmm. said, I don't think he was telling the truth. And I'm thinking, you think mm -hmm. bearing in mind that I know a lot of knowledge, but even I would think it's weird that it shows you your heart's greatest desire. You mean to tell me you haven't told your friends, Hey, I'm tired of books. Can someone just give me a pair of fuzzy socks? You know Hagrid would learn how to knit to make you some socks, Mr. Dumbledore. And he Hagrid already knows how to knit. So first, Bliss says, as the most oblivious character in the book, if Harry notices, it's bad. And second... <laughs> Harry is the himbo. And second, uh, what was it? Another Christmas has come and gone, and I didn't get a single pair. People will insist on giving me books specifically mentioned at uh, around the time of christmas mm -hmm. he didn't get a single pair Aww. which has uh, that for me me shows that it has <clears throat> a very serious significance for him mm -hmm. um moving back give me one second and it's literally oh. just a throwaway line mhm mm uh but i do think that the socks are being substituted for Dumbledore's love of Grindelwald. Despite, because mm -hmm. he had to, he fought and had to almost destroy 
the, the one person that he loved more than anyone else. So. Yep. Mm-hmm. And every Christmas, he asked, what if it had to be around, what if it was around Christmas time when it happened? Well, I think we're going to find that out because we actually have um, The Secrets of Dumbledore coming out. Uh, I think this month, actually. Yeah, so we have The Secrets of Dumbledore coming out. So we're going to find I out. I still have to watch the second Fantastic Beast movie. I can fix mm -hmm. that for you if you'd like. Yeah. Um, oh, there was one more thing mm -hmm. that's kind of... Okay, so Vernon and Petunia, mm -hmm. they sent him a letter. They sent now, him... I know it was only a half pence. They which sent is him like... a note that said, we got your letter. We have enclosed your present. Harry hasn't okay. sent any letters to them. No, he he would have had to send a letter. Like, someone would have had to send a letter to say, like, hey, I'm staying mm. for the holidays. Mm -hmm. I think, here's the thing. I think, now I know it's shitty, and that, but here's the thing. I think Petunia knows they don't do cash money. They don't do the paper money there. Mm-hmm. I think she knew that if she tried to send anything more than half a pence, Vernon would find it suspicious. Yeah. Silent ally Petunia. So yep. she's like, this is the most I could do. We got your letter. I mean, I would have liked her to write something else, but if, if it, it was from both Vernon and Petunia, and she can't send him more, which is why I think a school had to send her a letter, and they had to, like, you have to write a response, or mm -hmm. the owl wouldn't have left. Yeah. Uh, Bliss says, have you seen the theory that the three gifts they sent him in the books are paralleling the Hallows? I have not, actually. Um, hmm. Might be something to look into. Um, I remember that they sent him a pence, which could probably represent the stone, and later it was a Q-tip? They sent him, they also, uh, didn't they send him, like, a coat hanger? It was, it was a, it was, a, it was like a useless gift. They, I remember it was a Q, there was a Q-tip, though, because I thought that's a weird thing to send. The wand. The wand, the stone, and a coat hanger for the cloak. Mm-hmm. Halfpence is the stone. One second. Bliss is outlining here in the chat. Give me one second. The used tissue is the cloak. Mm. Mm. And... One moment. One. <laughs> Waiting. The Q-tip is the wand. I forgot that he had gotten a used tissue at some point, and now I'm very concerned as to what was in that tissue. Most likely a sneeze. I mean, that's better than... Nope, we're not going there. We're not it's going than... there. It's better that's than why the I said it's a sneeze. It's a sneeze. That's all it is. That's it. That is dry, nothing more. You open the tissue up and all you hear throughout Hogwarts is it is just this giant sneeze echoing throughout the hallways. <laughs> Taryn Phoenix says Ebola. <laughs> Magical Ebola. Good point. What would Hogwarts be doing during COVID? Don't know. Isolating like everyone else, I've hopefully. Seen some, I've seen some pretty funny skits about Hogwarts having to go online. <laughs> 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 uh... 
And they do all fit. You are absolutely right, Bliss. Uh, so with that, I'm thinking we should probably bring this chapter and this episode of the podcast uh, and wrap up. Um, give me one second mm. here. Mm -hmm. uh, let me see. Northern Whisper says, Hogsmeade, After Dark. We're not going there. <laughs> uh, where is... Here it is. Cricket grab... says, Bubblehead Charms. I mean, oh. possibly. Very possibly. All right. So for those of you who are watching on Twitch, I'm going to post our links in the chat. For those of you who are listening to the episode, the podcast episode, we're going to wrap this episode up um, and we're going to plug our socials. So if you are looking to get in touch with us, Lady Punnett, you can reach on TikTok at paulina.avalon. You can reach myself on Linktree at linktr.ee slash blazewing2010. You can reach The Reading Dragon on Linktree at linktr.ee slash thereadingdragon. If you would like to see our podcast feed or you would like to leave us an audio message that we can use for uh, kind of a viewer feedback slash mailbag episode, you can do so at anchor.fm slash idiot-book-nook. And if you would like to see, take a look at our website, uh, where we have a list of our podcast episodes and we also have uh, we're going to be working on our resource section of the website you can get things like fanfics and extra knowledge and just tidbits that we found uh, you can find us on idiotbooknook.wordpress.com you can also find us on instagram at idiotbooknook um, we are going to be uh, advertising our episodes that are coming out and we're going to be putting in quotes and whatnot that we found interesting and just all of that jazz. And uh, we hope that you guys have enjoyed this episode. Uh, one moment, please. As much as we have. We hope that you have enjoyed this episode as much as you have. We hope that you have gotten some use out of it. For those of you listening to the podcast, we will see you next episode in episode 13. For those of you that are on Twitch, we will be back in about 15-ish minutes. We will see you shortly. Uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to grab a drink, uh, refill our snacks and all that jazz, and uh, we shall return momentarily. But for the idiot book nook, I'm Blazewing. I am the Reading Dragon. I'm Lady Punnett. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>